Hey, this is Matt Dawson from the Crop Conference, and you're listening to the Master of One podcast. Register for Crop 2017 at CropBR.com. Welcome to this Sandbox episode of the Master of One podcast, part two for this week. This week, we talk to illustrator and chalk artist Ashley Arsenault-Jones. I'm Andrew, your Master of Art and Design. I'm Patrick, your Master of Television and Film. And I'm Luke, your Master of Toys and Games. So toss those erasers in the trash, because it's time to get chalky. Yeah, chalk's permanent. episode we're excited to talk to somebody we met this past year at pop-up crop she is a ball of fun tons of energy incredibly talented illustrator chalk artist muralist speaker and host of this year's crop ladies and gentlemen welcome ashley arsenault jones to the show yeah the the jones was good yeah, you're like, hey, Hi. hello. Hey. <laughs> so, uh, man, uh, I can't wait for this conversation. We met you, like I said, uh, this past year at Pop Up Crop, and we were up in our little bird's nest uh, yep. at the top of that incredibly awesome venue um, mm-hmm. in downtown Austin, right it's next. It was to an the art Capitol. museum, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the actual name of the. Do you remember the name of it? Um, no. The contemporary. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The contemporary. That's, that's, that's right. right. Um, but man, it was a, such a cool venue. And, uh, when we came up, we didn't, when you came up, we didn't know what to expect. And you, you held, uh, held our toes to the fire, went, went toe to toe, <laughs> nose to nose on all of our banter and ridiculousness. And so I can't, uh, she won up to us. To experience like she, she is so you're sneaky, Ashley, you're sneaky. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's, it, it's hard to tell when you're, you're joking or when you're telling the truth and it's, it's the best it's or just lying. That's the one he didn't say, but it's hard to tell when you're telling the truth and lying. It sounds yeah. so harsh when you say lies. Yeah, that's why <laughs> you don't say that. Just being because, creative with yeah. my words. That's because Patrick was the was the one who had the hardest time. When you invent so, facts. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, we'll we'll pull back. Uh, let everybody who doesn't know who you are, who hasn't had a chance to get introduced to you, let them have a Wikipedia page about who you are, what you do, and how you got into that. Okay. Um, so my Wikipedia page would say that I am a chalk artist, uh, illustrator, speaker. I think you covered all that. Um, I live in New Orleans, Louisiana, um, with my husband and my almost two-year-old little girl, um, I've been doing this work since 2010, so going on eight years now. Um, I've worked with a ton of different restaurants, um, businesses. I've worked for different events, um, just met and worked with all kinds of really cool people um, all over the city and, and actually all over the country for the last you know, almost eight years now. So, yeah. Yeah, so... Y- and you say that you're a chark, a chark, a chalk artist, uh, a chartist. That's what we just, we, just, we like to keep, we like to make it uh, more simplified. Um, when you're a chark, son of a gun. Why is that phrase? Is that phrase hard for anyone else to say? Chalk artist. I, I think just you. Yeah, cool. Artist. Thank you. Thank you. The chalk only one. artist. In the past eight years, have you ever messed up the phrase chalk artist? <laughs> Doesn't probably. sound like it. I've probably messed it up many times but, See, I, uh, I appreciate the the bone you've thrown me there um <laughs> as a chalk artist uh tell us what that like what that actually means like like are you on on blackboards like doing stuff like how does what does that look like um yeah a lot of times i am um because everything kind of started from just that basic you know I go into a restaurant and they have a huge chalkboard and they just want maybe their specials written out or they want their menu written or they want just uh, an image or whatever it may be. It, it definitely started with just 
a stick of chalk on the wall. Um, but over time, I've kind of evolved in the different materials that I use um, in the different surfaces that I draw on, paint on. Um, so it's kind of deceiving that, uh, you know, my name is Small Chalk. I do all my work under the name Small Chalk. Um, and that I call myself a chalk artist because at this point, I'm actually more of a I do work more with ink and paint than I do. I don't do anything with like sticks of chalk anymore. Mm. Um, so the surfaces always kind of vary and like what I do uh, varies. I feel like I just kind of provide various creative services geared towards lettering and, and painting and drawing um, more than I actually am a chalk artist, you know. So is there a certain style of lettering that tends to occur a company chalk artist like is that phrase now does that just as much pertain to the style of the imagery and the typography as it as it would have the medium at another time perhaps um so i think when when you think about chalk uh and it depends on where you're thinking of like in your mind if you're thinking about going into a restaurant or any kind of food service setting and looking at a menu and it's written in chalk. So like in my mind, you would primarily be focused on the legibility of it. So you'd be thinking like super clean lines, um, maybe some decorative headers, decorative accents, but like your primary thought is like, this has to be legible because that's the whole purpose. Mm -hmm. And so I think I've kind of based my entire, I guess, career on, being able to make my work really clean and legible, but also leave a lot of room to be creative um, and to just kind of marry the whole concept of like, this is art, but it's also like very practical and it's for a purpose. And so, you know, it's kind of a challenge. Like, do you feel confined to like this legibility, straight letters, maybe just strictly printed or like a very neat script, like, marrying that concept with like, I want people to know it's mine. I want it to look good. I want it to be creative, you know? Yeah. So that's, so when I think of like a big (laughs) menu board or something, layout is key for that. Right. So how does that work? Like, is that something that you uh, have learned over time or was layout like the thing that came pretty easy? How did that work for you? So, um, I began my career uh, as like with zero formal training. Mm. Um, I, if you would have asked me like, cause I graduated from college in 2005 and just had a, with a degree in advertising and just couldn't find a job. You know, I come from a family of just like, they all punch a clock nine to five. Like no one's an entrepreneur. Mm. No one's really creative. I mean, I just come from a family of like, you know, secretaries, school teachers, like very like strict, uh, or not strict, but like, you know, just basic normal black, black yeah. and white job. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. right. Um, so I, you know, got the degree that everybody wanted me to get and I just could not find a job. So I worked in service industry for years and years and just kind of resigned to like, I'm just going to be a waitress forever. Um, And so I had no art training. I just always did it as a hobby. Um, And I just kind of happened upon, you know, oh, I like to draw. I'll do these chalkboards in this restaurant that I work at. Mm -hmm. To all of a sudden, I did that enough times at enough places where I worked that someone took notice and actually hired me. I knew nothing about that. So when you ask if like, I started with any kind of background in layout or knowledge of layout, like zero. Mm. Like the first, I cringe. Like I won't look at my work from (laughs) 2010 because I'm just like, oh my God, like that's horrible. I knew nothing about typography, nothing. Um, Like I knew more about graffiti than I did about Mm. what is, you know, how do you form a letter? You know, I just, those weren't my, like typography was not my influence when I first started. So, um, all this just to say, like, I teach that to myself. Mm-hmm. And I do think, like, a lot of it did come naturally. Like, I have an eye for space. Like, I've never, 
really struggled with layout. I mean, you know, obviously I had to learn it, but like it made sense. Sure. And even at my worst, I had that natural ability, mm-hmm. but, um, I definitely had to start from square one yeah. with everything. So, uh, so you made the comment that you were, you've had to shift, uh, the medium a little bit as you've gone. And then, and then I want to talk about your murals and things like that in, in a mm-hmm. second, but, um, is is the shift to uh, using more inks and paints and things like that as opposed to traditional chalk? Is that because um, the work that you've done, you've now ten years into it, um, or, t- or what eight years into it, is it has developed so much that people want to keep it around for a long time, and so there's this this flattering element that's like, hey, we don't want this to be a temporary. Uh, you know, installation, we want this to be a permanent, you know, fixture uh, to whatever the business is. Is that the main drive behind that? Yeah. um, Yes and no. I mean, this has all been kind of a, this is such a a niche job that I do um, that I've had to, A, try to figure out the best way to do things for myself, but B, also for my clients. And I've had to learn how to scale in my own way and that really um, helped me set some rules for what I do, the way I do it, what materials I use. And so long story short, the reason that my work is mostly it's semi-permanent now and I use ink and paint is because I've had to grow from point A where it was just like, um, yeah, I'll come draw on your board for a sandwich and I'll just come back next week because I don't have anything else to do to right. like eight years later. Like I can do this thing for you. It's going to cost you a decent amount of money um, because I you know, am able to kind of pick and choose my jobs and my clients at this point. Sure, sure. So it's going to be ex- – I hate to say expensive, but like you know, it's going to – be pricey. An and so you're going to want it to last, right? Mm-hmm. An investment, you're going to want it to last. And so I work with my clients to create work that they either never really have to change for years to come, or they only need to see me maybe once or twice a year, um, at the most three or four times mm-hmm. a year, just because yeah. it's like, I want to set you up to, for you to either have the very base, basic menu that you need or I'm kind of at this point where I'm like, just hire me for like a mural or like decorative, like lettering pieces or images, like not you, the week to week stuff, right? Right, not yeah. the list of like your sandwich specials or whatever. Yeah. So, um, so one thing that strikes me about a lot of uh, people that do freelance or contract or or basically they're self managed is that it it really it kind of requires double skill because. You have to have mastery over your craft, whether it's design, development, whatever that is. But then you have to have mastery over managing a business on some level, managing yourself, the, the financial aspect of it, the legal aspect of that. I mean, there's a whole nother set of things that you have to um, deal with that, yeah. that extend far beyond uh, the technical craft that you're doing. So what has that transition been like? Do you have someone that you primarily work with? Is this something that you do as a family? Is this something you manage by yourself? How did you move into not just, you know, working for more, more than a sandwich, but, but, but how did you move to the place where you, you know, you pay tax for the sandwich and legally, (laughs) you know, like how did you get to the place where you're, you're managing all of that? And, and, you know, how difficult is that transition? It's really tough. I mean, again, zero business background. Um, I've always just been kind of like, I guess I'll figure it out kind of person, you know? Um, and I also, um, in the beginning was really scared and timid to ask people for the money that I deserve. Um, you know, and like, I feel like, I feel like I just had to really fall on my face many times. I had to like, work for literally like 25 cents an hour sometimes when it came yep. down to it. Yeah. Um, I had to learn, I had to find the courage to ask for those, you know, prices that I thought were too high, but like really like, no, it's, that's fair because there's no freaking like industry standard for this. Sure. Like right. now, like 
I scrolled through Instagram and everybody and their grandma is a chalkboard artist. Like, mm-hmm. but when I started, no one was a chalkboard artist. Yeah. Like, I, there was no way that you could like go and find like what's the standard pricing for hand lettering for a business. But now it's like I'm sure you could find that information, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just had to do a lot of like I had a lot of hard lessons learned, um, and then I just had to kind of like like I had to feel people out you know like now when I put in a bid I kind of have uh, an understanding of like what a client would be willing to pay Mm -hmm. and like I know how to do the like you know bid high and then if if they say like um well maybe uh can we work with it then that's good but if they're like sure then that's bad if they're like absolutely not you know like right I just had to learn all those things um, and I'm not some kind of genius at it, but I feel like confident placing my own bids and things. I have, um, I've kind of like messed around with the idea of using an agent, but <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, it's kind of one of those things where it's like the amount of time and trial and error involved with finding the right person that's going to like come in at this stage and like bid for me and know me and know and my clients all just like. They know me and they want me to talk right. to them on the phone. You know, I just like, I always think about how nice it would be for somebody to kind of do that work for me. But um, at this point, I'm like, I've been doing it all myself. Sure. I don't, should I just keep going? Are, <laughs> are most of your, are most of your clients like local and regional or is, are you <sighs> traveling at all for that? I mean, I have traveled in the past. So one thing I didn't mention is, um, I worked as the in-store chalk artist for Whole Foods Market for like three years. Oh, cool. And that was like an amazing experience for me because I learned how to do my job really fast. Mm. Like I learned a lot of skills. I was able to, they paid for me to take classes. They paid for me to fly all around the region. And like they actually paid me to instruct other chalk artists like how to do the whole foods chalk and like i met a bunch of artists and you know i just i got the uh i got i learned how to teach others um and i learned how to do the job really quickly because in that world the turnover is so high so you're like strawberries 39 cents and you like work to make this beautiful strawberry and you do everything so perfect and you like bring it out to the sales floor and you put it out and they're like the strawberry sale just ended 10 minutes ago now it's bananas and you're like bananas and so like you know there'd be days where it's like I have like 25 chalkboards Mm. just for like the Wednesday sales I gotta hurry up and do them you know and but they still have to look good so I learned a lot about speed and you know the tone of what things should look like, color. I mean, I just learned so much, sure. you know, and I kind of took that with me um, in the in the process, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, on on that note of of teaching and and educating and those things, uh, a community that you're very involved with, you've been involved with since the beginning, is Crop. It's yeah. uh, and we've talked to Stay Gray Pony Boy Matt Dawson. We've had him on the show before. <laughs> we've talked to him in yeah. the hot seat. And, um, did we talk to him at Creative South too? Yeah. No. I, yeah, we I mean, we saw him there, but did we have a Creative South hot seat with him? I yep. think year one. We, I don't think year two. Nope. Definitely year two, not year one. Cool. So year, t- so we've done two hot seats in an interview. <laughs> Matt Dawson, racking it up. So, yeah. So, so we, we said before that, um, you know, we were at uh pop-up crop with you. That's where we met you there. But then, uh, crop is the primary event for those that don't know crop BR, which happens in Baton Rouge. Yeah. And, uh, it's the and that's daddy event to the, to the, the daddy event, a little <laughs> child, to a little child. Pop of crop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but you're involved with that too. And not only are, are, have you been going since the beginning, but this year you're actually emceeing the event, which is, you know, yeah. not that far away. I'm hosting the whole damn thing. Exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you, you bring the energy, yeah, yeah. the fire. So, so talk <laughs> about that community and and how that community has has benefited you, and um, you know, get, just lay into the pitch for a crop. Tell people why they should be there. <laughs> yeah. So, I uh, okay, okay. So this is going to be the third year of crop. So I guess it's like, you know, uh, three and a half years ago. I don't know. Three and a half years ago, I'll say Matt 
called me just like out of the blue and was like, hey, I'm Matt. I'm putting on this conference. I know your work. Um, I really like it. And like, how do you feel about speaking to a bunch of people about you and your work? And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> I had never spoke to anybody. Uh, you know, uh, I was like, how do you even know me? Like, <laughs> just like how did you get this who number? Are you? How did you get this number? <laughs> um, no, I, I was really surprised. And I was like, uh, okay, you know, um, sure. I'll come talk to people in Baton Rouge and, he did. He wasn't allowed to tell me. I mean, you know, he makes the rules, but he wasn't <laughs> telling me anybody else that would be there. Um, he just said, you know, we like you. We want you to speak. So I was like, yeah, okay. Wh- what could I possibly be doing? He's like, it's a year from now. I was like, okay, uh, that's like really far away. Whatever, dude. I just kind of was like, this is going to be whatever. So we get closer and closer to crap, and I'm talking to him more and more. I'm like, oh, he's really nice. Like, all these people are really cool. Like, they announced the lineup. I'm like, what? Like, how am I, like, in the same, you know, space as these amazing people? Like, what are you talking about? So then I start to get really, really nervous. And then I had a baby, and that was in February, and crap was in April. And I was like, when he asked me to do this, I was like, what could I possibly be doing? That would be a conflict. (laughs) And I'm like, now I just gave birth. I'm like bloated, disgusting. Like, I don't even know how to talk to people anymore because I've been like cooped up in my house for six weeks, you know, still was like, you have to reacclimate to society. I did. I did. It's like, I don't even know if I can speak English anymore. I just, I'm like, (laughs) you know, like I just couldn't even deal with the concept of like getting on a stage feeling and looking like I looked and talking about work, which I hadn't done. I hadn't done work. You know, I I was on maternity leave. So (laughs) like that um, anxiety was just like flooding through my body. And I remember showing up and like, just from the second I walked in and like met everybody in person after just like phone calls and seeing, like feeling the energy in the room, meeting the other speakers, like, I just was like, this is going to be fun. This is going to be great. Like, there's a reason I'm here, you know. And I got on stage, and I just, it was, like, all a blur. I was really nervous. I just, like, kind of babbled. And then I said something about, like, y'all, I have to be honest. Like, I'm really nervous to be up here. And, like, I didn't, I didn't know how bad I was going to feel. This, like, I didn't know how, how nervous I was going to be. I was just really focused more on like not uh, like a milk not coming out of my boobs or like something I said about like lactating on stage. Like I said something and the whole audience just like started laughing. You <laughs> I have like, that same worry every time I speak. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I don't remember what I said. I was like, you know, I just don't want to lactate on stage, whatever. And everybody was like, ha ah. ha. And I was like, okay, this is fine. And I just kind of like took a deep breath and finished what I had to say. I will always remember like all those feelings that I had and being on stage and how nervous I was, but how I started to relax right after everybody laughed. And even though it felt like a blur to me, everybody was like, that was great. You know, your talk was great. Then I just went on to have a really nice time for the rest of the conference. I really only could stay the first day because you know, I had like a two month old and, um, the feedback that I got from that conference and from my talk was incredible and making that relationship with Matt and then meeting him in person and his wife and like Jason Craig, who is like one of my favorite people in the entire world. Like he's a good dude. He has that effect on people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I don't know. I just love that dude. I think he's amazing. And like, he was so kind and like all these people that I just like couldn't even believe I was in the same like lineup with them. And they were so nice to me and had such positive things to say. And I was like, if the people in this audience are feeling like a fraction of the excitement that I'm feeling, if they feel like this big hug of support, just like surrounding you, you know, just by being in that space with them, like I just, it's just such a positive experience. And like, I don't know. I get really like emotional and anxious and like, I just have all these feelings inside and I just sit in a room all day by myself drawing and like thinking about 
And like when I get into a room with other creatives and we're all like talking about that feeling together and like you feel like somebody understands, you know, like there's only so much that I can tell my husband and like my baby and my cat before they're like, shut up, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I just think like when you work for yourself and when you're a creative person, I just think you like need conferences like that to come together and meet other people and make connections and know that we're all just kind of doing the same thing. We're just like individually in our own little boxes and our own little places. And like, but you're in it together. Yeah. Yeah, And you're in it together. together. And those moments, that's just like the whole thing when you're at crop to me, you know? Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side of that, it's just like an incredible opportunity to meet other artists and like be inspired by them. And maybe some people you've never heard of before. Um, and then you discover them and I don't know, it's just, it's just a really wonderful experience. And I'm honored because that first year with that talk, I was like, all right, well I did my thing. I'm done. And then Matt was like, no, come back for year two, like Mm -hmm. teach a workshop. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) You know? And like, then after year two, he's like, well, come host, you know? (laughs) So we had this running joke where like, I'm just going to stick around crop every year, even if, like, my only my job is to just, like, sign people in at the door. I'm like, I just want to do something. I just have to well, be here. You yeah. Know? Sounds like it's escalating each time. So ne- next year, next you're going to just, just plan it over. Yeah. yeah. Next yeah. year, it's going to be the Ashley Arsenault Jones conference. Uh-huh. I love it. I'll, I mean, I'll go to it. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm in. Um, okay, so we're going to switch to finals because uh, okay. we're going to talk a lot more at crop. Um, so I'll take the, my first, uh, or I'll take the first question in the finals. And, um, you mentioned before we started that you don't really do much besides work and mom stuff. And so like, (laughs) I think there is, um, we don't hear much of this side of the conversation for people that are freelancers that are parents, how, how has your business, because so, you've been in business for eight years, but you only have a two-year-old. So how did your business change after having a kid? And how does that work? Because, I mean, anybody with kids knows that your schedule changes, your life changes, all of that stuff is just different. How did that affect your business? And how did, you know, how have you transitioned? Well, you know, I just went from being someone who worked literally around the clock to someone who had designated times where it's like, I'm not available. Mm. Um, And I was listening to um, when y'all talked to Bob Ewing, um, I guess a couple weeks back. And and like, I don't know. I listened to dads who um, have kids and who are obviously very active in their kids' lives. And because I can see like following Bob, it's like he's always hanging out with his kids and like, that's his life. And so I don't doubt anything about like, well, he doesn't even hang out with them. But what I'm trying to say is like, I listen to dads and I'm like, I get it. Cause he was like, he was like, um, no, I'm, I make the time. I don't find the time. I make the time to do all the five bajillion things I do. And I was like, man, I need to talk or I need to listen to more moms who like are freelance artists because Mm -hmm. like, for me, it's about energy. Like, Mm -hmm. it's really hard for me to wake up at 6 a.m. and like do the shuffle to get everybody out of the door and get to work and like put in a full eight, nine hour work day where like my brain is like completely focused on my work and to come home, pick her up from school, play with her so that I'm like present and talking to her and hanging out with her, read her, you know, bath and bed and books and then jump on a computer and like start doing more. Or, like, get down and, like, start drawing. Like, I just, like, don't have it. I'm just exhausted at that point, you know. And it's not even, like, physical because it is physical, but it's more, like, mental. Like, but I was thinking about how many years, like, it was even more than that because it was, like, I was nursing her. So it's, like, I don't know. I just felt, like, so much of my energy and, like, my literal, like, body was going to her and, like, Yeah. It's just like, I just think the mom's work, it just is so taxing and it's it's fine. I wouldn't have it any other way, but like, I just found that I was like depleted Mm. at the end of a day. Yeah, sure. And like, 
not only was I like unable to do any more work, I just like didn't want to. Like I need to rest so that I can wake up the next day and like put my eight to nine hours to the best use that I can. Yeah. And like those are feelings and experiences that I never had until I had her. Mm-hmm. And so, and then it's like, you know, we don't have, we have, we put her in school five days a week. Um, but on the weekends, it's just baby time. Yeah. You know, just, just toddler time. Like sure. there's no work getting done. Like maybe uh, I'll send some emails while she's napping, but like, it is just her on the weekends mm-hmm. when she's sick. Like we just all had the flu. Like when she's sick, she's out of school for a week. I don't go to work, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I don't have the resource. Like we don't have like grandparents in town to drop them off. Gotcha. I don't, you know, after tuition, like I can't justify spending for a babysitter for the day. Yeah, on top absolutely. Of, you know? yep. We just like don't have that. And so yeah. she comes first. And so, I've like <clears throat> spent so many days where like I can't control the fact that I can't go to work today. Right. And like, like I said, I'm a really emotional person. And so I've just had days where I'm just like sitting there staring at her and I love her, but I can't go to work because of her. And I'm just like bawling, crying because I'm like, this is not a good enough excuse. Like I need to get my work done. Like my clients are counting on me. Like, you know, they're opening their restaurant tomorrow. I can't, I have to, I have to make this happen. And like the guilt of like having to call a client and be like, I got to take care of my kid. And like, not knowing if that's like going to make them mad at me or feeling like, you know, it's just like a lot of emotion around like work was my baby for the, you know, six years. And now I have a like actual human baby that takes precedence to all that stuff. Yeah. But I'm still having to be accountable and I still need to be professional and I still need to like hold up my rep- my reputation, which is like she does stuff all over town. She's not going to be late to like, oh, God, I'm late again. You know, like that's been the hardest part is like not being in control so many times in parenthood, yeah. like the loss of control and like. You, you like life has to come first sometimes. Yeah. So, so I'm sorry. Yes. I know. I'm just like no, going no, no, on that's and good. On. no, no, no. That's good. And that's the thing <laughs> nobody talks about. Yeah. So I know. Here's, here's my here's my final question, and it's kind of on that topic. Um, maybe a lighter side of it potentially. Um, what's a project uh, with a client over the last two years, maybe, uh, as you've had to become more disciplined, as you've had to, uh, as you've gotten the flexibility and also the responsibility of being more choosy in your, the clients you take on, what's a project that you had to turn down, but you knew would have been super fun? Um, a a project that I had to turn down that would have been super fun. I don't turn a lot of super fun projects down. (laughs) So Um, even if if the time frame, even if the turnaround, all that stuff gets crazy, you're still, if it's fun, it's for you. Yeah. I mean, okay. I think I just am not good at just like recalling stuff so quickly. Like probably tonight when I'm laying in bed, I'd be like, Oh, that thing. But like, (laughs) regardless of all this that I'm just like pouring my heart out, (laughs) rambling on way too much, regardless of all the stuff that I just said, I mean, I have taken my little girl like in a friggin' wagon, driven her an hour and a half to Baton Rouge and like put her in a wagon and like got up on a ladder and did my work. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I still like try to make stuff happen. Yep. And I still like I or like, you know, I don't know. I'll just have to like make it work somehow. Because yeah. I mean, there's certain there's a lot of stuff that I would say no to, like the little one-off, like, I got a hilarious email the other day. Like, I love, like, emails that are, like, super vague. It's, like, project request, sign, and then in the the description it's, like, I need a sign for my boyfriend. And then, like, that's the end of the email. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and so, like, I kind of, like, I really hate to just, like, not respond to emails but it's like you literally like put zero thought into that. Like I feel like you were just like drunk at the bar. I'm like, 
oh, I want a sign for my boyfriend. You know, like, I'm like, this doesn't really, you know, warrant a response, but I'm not going to be a jerk, so I'm going to respond. I'm going to be like, hey, Carol, like, I wasn't really sure what you wanted from that, you know, email request. Can you, like, be more specific? And she's like, um, yes, I want a sign for my boyfriend that says everything's better with Brooks. I'm like, okay. And then it's like, there's like a little um, thing in the bottom. It's like, what's like your budget? Actual, this is an actual what? story. I feel like <laughs> yeah, this is, is an actual story. Okay. It is. So Brooks is out there somewhere hearing this for the first time being like, what? <laughs> well, I need to know the budget. You cut her off at the best part. Sorry. Brooks, what's the budget? it's the gift you'll never receive. At least not from me. <laughs> Maybe somebody else will make it for you. But uh, it's... Yeah, what was the budget? The budget was $35. Mm. <laughs> Um, and so it's like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that. So trust me, there's plenty of stuff that I'm like, no, I'm not available right now. I've also, I used to do a ton of wedding stuff, like Mm. these big ornate signs at weddings or like seating charts, whatever. I don't do wedding stuff anymore. Um, uh, it's funny because I think so many, so many people that we talk to and, and even Luke, um, who who does photography? I've talked to photographers. I've talked to chalk artists. I've talked to people, and nobody does weddings. It's amazing that Screw people that even crap. are able to get married anymore. Because yeah. I know all the it's artists. So, the reason they're so expensive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's like you know, I just I try to to keep it positive, but the thing is, like, after you've been married for so many years, and you're like, why would you spend all that money on a wedding? You're just gonna argue all the time, and just like <laughs> you know. Just take out the trash or, you know, like, you know, not really, but like weddings are just stupid, you know? I mean, they're not, but they're just like, we could have just had all of that money and just got married in the courthouse and just had all that money that we spent. We'd be (laughs) out of debt. If you do chalk artistry at a courthouse or for the people getting married there, like the quick way, just do like a real quick. Right. So <laughs> my my tagline would be like, you know, you really saved on the wedding costs, so why not splurge on a really nice sign yeah, for your cheap absolutely. wedding? That's marketing. You could, just, you could just set up a shop out front of the courthouse. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's fine. You don't even need yeah. a permit for that. If no. you're just doing chalk, right. $35. Um, <laughs> right. No, I'm just kidding. You're not getting it, Brooks. Yeah, sorry, Brooke. I can't even pick up a piece of chalk for thirty-five dollars. That gets you <laughs> nothing. I don't roll out of bed for less than fifty. Yeah, uh, that's right. Right, right. So, okay, I'm going to jump in. Final question. Mine okay. is very lighthearted. Okay. Mine is um, mine. I should have gone first because I feel like I'm <laughs> just killing the mood. But um, iPad. Okay, uh-huh. looking through your stuff, found a, a really great piece. That is the, um, it, it's a quote from Martin Luther King Jr. Uh-huh. It's the, now's the time to lift our national policy from uh-huh. the quicksand. Like, I, I could, it's a really long quote. I yeah. like almost, but yeah, racial justice. That famous of quote about iPads Human dignity. From Martin Luther yeah. King. <laughs> you know the piece. That big I piece. Do. So you did that piece on an iPad, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you have a process video that shows it. So getting to my question now. You made the comment at the beginning that you were in food service. You did the yeah. signs because you enjoyed doing the signs. People liked them, kept doing them. Over time, it grew. You did not consider yourself an artist. Yeah. You didn't set out early in your career to be an artist. Yeah. And But now when I go look at a piece like this, it, it looks... It, obviously, your work looks incredibly professional, but it, you over this the course of this eight years or ten years or whatever you've been doing it, it's no doubt that you're an artist. So is there... So two pieces to that. One is... Um, how has that transition felt for you? Like, have you felt that change? Is that something that you felt along the way or just, or, you know, is that something you've always been fighting of really like feeling like a true artist? And, and the other piece of that would be, um, uh, I guess if, if you're talking to someone that maybe they want to go down a creative path and their family doesn't, you know, and none of their friends do like they're, they're the first ones setting off on this journey what, what's the step you take? Like, what's the like the baby step I can take today to 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 orient myself that way? Okay, um, so I'm gonna start from the beginning, from your series of questions. Yes, <laughs> I love that you called it a series of questions. That from your series so of final questions, you ask one question for each of, of you. You yes. just ask one. Um, <laughs> no, it feels like one. <laughs> 
Um, so the journey, yes, yes, of course, uh, over eight years, I've seen myself improve. That's the whole point, I guess, you know, it's like, I knew in the beginning, it's like, okay, I have like some natural talent, but I really need to refine this. And also like, I was not going to sit here. I wasn't going to go around town and call myself like a letterer or a chalk artist and not know anything about typography. So it's like, I learned all that stuff. Like I took classes, I went back to college, I did all this kind of stuff. So like a lot of that is training. And so like, yes, that's the improvement and a ton of practice, a ton, a ton, a ton of practice. And again, in the first, you know, before I had a lot of family obligations, just being up all night, like any other person, like I stayed up all night for however many years, whatever. Um, so putting in my time for sure. And I, I like to, um, you know, that's all fine. Um, I do look back at my old work as far as I'm willing to go before I'm like, Oh, gross vomit. That's terrible. Like (laughs) I think maybe like in 2014 or something is where I can start actually looking at old work, but I'm like, ah, like, uh, there's, like, something really nice in some of these older pieces that were less rigid, that were just more, like, free-flowing, or, like, I didn't care that the serif isn't, like, at the proper angle. Like, I just, like, put it wherever, you know? Um, It's really nice to kind of go back and see some of the playful side before Mm. I was, like, because I think now, like, again, you know, I spoke about how, like, I find myself struggling in this point in my life and my career where it's like um balancing being a mom with like being responsible but continuing to do the work and like feeling good about myself and about the work but like um I struggle sometimes because I feel like there's a lot of pressure with uh social media and Instagram and like Mm. you know it's so crazy to me that that piece that Martin Luther King piece is what stuck out to you because for me, I like was really proud of that piece and I posted it on Instagram and I didn't get that many likes. And I was like, why doesn't anybody like this? Like, Hmm. I don't understand. And like, I think it has something to do with like all the research that they do about like, well, your hand wasn't in it or like, it's, it's not, it's like digital. It's not a photo or I'm sure there's like a million reasons, but like I still get hung up on like, am I getting better or am I just like, stagnant or whatever it is like I'm always second guessing those kind of things Mm. I think that's like normal and natural but like that piece in particular I was like why doesn't this have like a a good amount of likes or whatever um but whatever the reason like I still liked it um and I I don't know I think I think it's been a struggle improving but still staying true to my voice and myself um and that just kind of leads to the advice section of your question like people that are just starting out or like want to have a career similar to mine like um what advice would I give it's just to put in the time do the work learn as much as you can um but try to like find a voice that's yours and feel confident in it Mm -hmm. um and I think now it's so much easier more than ever to like make a career out of being a chalk artist you know like make a career out of like take a a weird like vintage uh dune buggy and (laughs) and sell flowers out of it, uh, you know, on the side of the this road. This has to be and, a know. very specific thing. Like, <laughs> I'm just gonna say, this seems like this. something Otherwise, maybe that's like brewing in the back of your mind right now. <laughs> like, that, that, that didn't just come from nowhere. That was a thing. Did, that was too did. specific. <laughs> I'm just saying like, you can make a career out of anything right now at this particular, I feel strongly that you can just like do whatever you want to sure. do. And like, even though tools like social media can make you want to like rip your hair out or like second guess yourself. They also give you like a ton of exposure that like makes it even easier. Like now, like I said, um, in the beginning, like I scroll through Instagram and like everybody is a chalk artist. Like it's just so easy now because we're all just exposed to it. And like, it is becoming easier to like place bids. Cause you're like, no, like this is a thing. Like 
look at these other artists that have like made a living off of this, you know? So I think it's like a, a good time, um, for people to just like go out on a limb, but just like do your work and, um, put in the time and keep your voice. And I think you'll be good. Let me, I'm going to tack something onto that. Okay. I'm going to speak a little bit for you, but one thing that strikes me when we talk about, um, setting out on, on a, a path that was not common, that there wasn't really any type of proof around you or any comparison you could make to know you're doing the right thing, uh, not having the business skill and just deciding I'll figure it out mm-hmm. and um, taking on clients, charging more money, even when you weren't sure that, you know, that people would yeah. be willing to pay or whatever, um, to stepping up and speaking, being willing to lead a workshop or MC. Um, all of this to me, it just speaks to your confidence. The, the, the fact that you're willing to say, this is a thing I want. And even though it, it isn't what my family would, I mean, it isn't what any of them have a frame of reference for. Right. So maybe it doesn't feel supported. Or even though, you know, I don't have the background in it, or I don't have the necessarily the business knowledge, I don't have whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be confident and I'm just going to decide to make it happen. Yeah. That, that feels like that is a big part of this story. And it feels like it has absolutely served you well. So if I can say something to just the M of one audience to the people that are listening right now, if you've decided you want to do something, be confident, decide to do it, and just do it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy yeah. to dream and dream and dream and wait for stars to line up and wait for signs and wait for well, once I finish these couple of things and then just do it. Like, just yeah. decide to do it, decide to, to yeah. go after it. I know. I, that is true. Like, I've always just kind of, like, been like, well, we're going to do it. It's just kind of like you have one life and just, like, take advantage of it. I mean, my husband yeah. is like the same way he, um, well, he's not the same way. He's the complete opposite, but he's like a little bit more risk averse. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm always like, just do it. Just do it. What we're, we're fine. Like we're not going to lose a house. Just do whatever. You know what I mean? You know, it's just kind of like, I don't know. I guess I just never in my head was like, I'm not, I can't, you know, I just like, sure. if I wanted, like you said, if I want to do something, I just do it. And Decide to do I it. might fail, might fall on my face, but whatever. Figure so, it out. So go ahead, tell people where, where where can they find you? Where can they buy stuff from you? Where can they hire you for more than thirty five dollars? Like, what are these channels? <laughs> um, so uh, probably the best place to see my current work is on Instagram, and so I'm at Small Chalk S M A L L C H A L K, um, and you can find me. I don't do Twitter because uh, just like. I'm a visual person. Every oh, time yeah, they're I, the worst. I've tried to do Twitter so many times, and I'm like, what's on my mind? Um, and then I'll write something, and it'll be really silly, and I'll just, like, I can't keep up with this. But um, so no Twitter. Uh, Facebook is weird. I don't like Facebook. Uh, and so you can go to my website, which is uh, smallchalk.com. Um, I have one item for sale. Yes. Um, it's a patch that I made a nasty woman patch, um, (laughs) uh, for all the nasty ladies that like to wear patches. Uh, it's, it's like $8. Um, but no, Luke's going to get that and put it on his jacket. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, but no, I mean, you know, obviously my stuff is more portfolio based. Uh, one of these days, uh, I'll make some products that people can buy, but for now I'm just service based. Um, so yeah, people will be able to see your stuff all over Baton Rouge and New Orleans and just go there. And then that's where your stuff is. Right. Um, Well, you can't take pictures of it without my permission. Well, you could take pictures of it, but you can't do anything with those pictures besides keep them. For your yeah, you. <laughs> She's talking to you, Luke. Um, all right, so uh, before we head out of here, would you do us a favor and help us pick our tokens for next week? Yes. I awesome. All right, well, that's it for our interview portion. Up next, we're going to draw some tokens. The tokens portion every week is when we get to find out exactly what our categories are for the next week. We pick our topics based on those categories. I have our three categories right here in my hands right There we go. Uh, I'm going to put them down face down on my mat. I'm going to shuffle them up. You can't see them. I can't see them. Give me a number between one and three, and it'll be for Patrick. One. Art and design, Patrick. Great. did it. 
Okay, and better uh, than toys and one games. One or two, and you'll pick for me. Two. <laughs> TV and film. That means Luke. You have toys and games. Yay, Congratulations, thanks. my friend. Um, you did great. Hey, thank you so much, Ashley, for joining us. Uh, you're a blast. Your story is is uh, intriguing. It's inspiring. Um, the work that you do is incredible. Uh, and so uh, I can't wait to hang out again at Crop. Uh, we'll be hearing more about that if you're listening to this. Um, you'll be hearing more about that and what we're going to be doing there in buy the coming tickets. weeks. Yeah. yeah, go ahead and buy tickets. Come hang out with us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. With the four of us, we'll all be yeah. there. Uh, with uh, with Matt Dawson, who is uh, just a swell lad. Um, but uh, it's it's going to be a, a blast. Thank you for be- coming on. We know, uh, as we heard in the background, your daughter is missing you. Thank her for letting <laughs> us borrow you for a few moments. Um, but uh, you're awesome. Um, you can find us at mofonepodcast.com. Where you can find show notes and links to all the stuff we just talked about. If you're watching this on YouTube, everything is right below us. Just click the links below. Go to the archive at our website, and you can see all sorts of other incredible artists that we've talked to over the years. If you want to support the show, rate and review it on all the different platforms, on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. Um, follow, share, like, review, rate, all the different stop. things. Yes, you, do it. You know how internet works. <laughs> Help us internet better um <laughs> just get us out there uh because sharing is caring and if you want to support the show financially you can go to patreon.com slash mf1 podcast where you can throw a couple of dollars into the proverbial bucket get uh f- five dollars gets you the blooper level where you'll get some extra stuff um each month as well as a, a access to a special slack channel join us on yeah. slack and join the community uh mf1 podcast.com slash slack we're on all the social media platforms as well just search mf1 podcast i think but that's also everything. If you want to jo- if you want to support the podcast geographically, drive to Montana, download the episode. That will satisfy the M of One Big Butte challenge, and uh, that'll get something cool headed your direction. That's so true. we yeah, have one person. We have one person that has actually said, "If Canada falls out, it'll be a, it'll be a couple months, and no one has done it. They are willing to make a seven hour drive in order to to do that." So beans. Just for the intention, shout out to you, but you you have you you basically have the buffer of until Canada thaws out to beat beans to Montana. (laughs) And if you have no idea, if you have no context for this conversation, go back an episode and listen. Yeah, go back one episode. It's there. It's fine. Uh, But for now, we're gonna get out of this episode. I'm Andrew. (laughs) I'm Patrick. I'm Luke. I'm Ashley. Peace out. There's a carbon monoxide leak. Hold on to your butts. Bananas and avocados.